Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, the myth, the legend, the voice. And I've got my my trustworthy sparring partner. I can expect this man to show up to the gym whenever we're supposed to be there and we go you know, back and forth, my verbal sparring partner, uh, the newly minted Iron Wildress Ruffin. Yes, yes, I am. I'm here. Thank you, voice. It's an honor to be here. Wildress Ruffin is a new individual in me that has come recently, and I'll, I'll share that with everyone later. Uh, all jokes aside, I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, the 2002. 2022 spin awards nominee for voice of the year the man the myth the legend the voice sir how you doing man i'm good you know i'm just trying to figure out you know if you're gonna be dressed or you're gonna be rough this uh this i i'm I'm thinking you know that you're gonna be laid back and be dressed sometimes and other times you know that that's why your name is roughing because you're getting there you be roughing people up I'm going to go by Will just today, and I'm just going to say that I'm Idris Elba's uh, younger, uh, fluffier uh, twin brother. But when I got to be disrespectful and spicy, you know, the David Ruffin in me comes out and I, I turn into Will just Ruffin. So, but hopefully, you know, you don't, you know, you don't tell me I'm in my feelings and I ain't got to do that. This <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, well, hey, <laughs> so I, we good. Hey, I, I embrace rough, you know, because that, that's... <laughs> I, I, we, we're talking about combat sports, so I, I'm not, I don't necessarily shy away from combat. So, hey, if it gets rough, it gets rough. I get it. You want all the smoke at all times. I understand. I got asthma, though, so I need to slow down. Um, but we got a lot to talk about. Before we get started with everything, I want to recap uh, our last episode. We had some amazing fights that happened uh, this last weekend, actually beginning with Saturday in San Antonio. Um, we actually got to see Jesse Bam Rodriguez deliver. It's got to be a, an amazing star-making performance, uh, if I do say so myself. Uh, he had an eighth-round stoppage of Soar Ronsvidan uh, to retain his WBC Junior Bantamweight title. Um, Soar Ramadan? You, you know, I, I, I know you're from Philly. And I, I, know said that... Soar, I said Soar Rangvisan. Okay, all right. You you was you was thinking about Ramadan with all your uh, your uh, you know Muslim what? friends in in Philly, but okay, you 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 redeemed yourself. You redeemed. Shout yourself. out, shout out to all my family in Philly, man. You know what I'm saying bean pies is delicious. Yes, I'm they are. Put that out there. Um, voice. Where do you uh see both fighters going next? And overall, is Rodriguez becoming the star that we're expecting him to be? I believe that this was a star-making performance. Now, granted, when he defeated Quadras by unanimous decision uh, to win the belt, you know, everyone really gave him uh, his kudos then, and they really started paying attention to him. You know, with the young man, uh, you know, just 22 years of age, for him to thoroughly dominate Sora Rungvisai 
for all of the fight and then knock them out in the eighth round was just like dude that that's that's not something that you see happen uh very often i mean now Rumbisai has been knocked out three times in his career but he's also fought hmm, 57 times so it's very you know it's very very rare that someone stops him like that he's usually the one doing the stopping uh, and the fact that he was able to take his punches and do so like with pretty much ease where you know everyone said if he stood in there went toe-to-toe with Sorongi side that would be a mistake that that would be a problem it was a problem it was a problem for Sorongi side <laughs> you know I mean the last time that he got knocked out was in 2009 so it's been well over a decade since he has been stopped like that and he was fighting at like 112 then so you know it was very it was much earlier on in his career uh that that happened uh so yeah i mean it's uh what he did was praiseworthy and you know hopefully we get to see him face uh the other greats I, i i believe that uh your boy cool boy steph is the other title holder uh at super uh flyweight now with the promotions and uh, um, the broadcast restrictions, that one might be a bit harder. However, with with Cool Boy primarily fighting on Showtime versus fighting pay-per-view, I think something may be able to get done is just whether or not PBC will play ball with Eddie Hearn. It, it always comes down to, to dollars and cents. So I, I feel like something's going to get done. Um, for me, that was definitely a star-making star performance, especially when you consider the, the wins that Sora Rungusai has under his belt. He's definitely no slouch. And like I, we always say, it only takes one punch sometimes. As yeah. great as you are, it always happens. It doesn't take away from both of them. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing where Rodriguez goes next. Uh, that was an amazing performance. Hopefully he can continue to do that. Um, from one great performance to a, a shocking performance for some, for some, uh, Johnny Eblen is the new king of the middleweight division in Bellator after his dominant unanimous decision over Greg Musasi. So, voice, you you stated before <laughs> Johnny Eblen had in him. Yeah, I know you, you like how I caught that name. No, you stated yeah, before. Yeah, you j- just giving him, giving old Gago our new names. Greg, <laughs> we got Greg, we got uh, Sore Ramadan. No, I said I said Sore Sore no. the first time. In your brain, we brain. gotta we got, we're gonna have to play back that tape. Oh yeah. Um. So what do you see from Johnny Eblen uh, going into the future? Is he gonna continue his dominance, or is he gonna run into a brick wall immediately? I wouldn't say that he's gonna run into a brick wall immediately. But on this card, Anatoly Tokov also picked up a victory. And it's highly probable that that's who he'll face in his first title defense. Uh, Tokov has been doing his thing at middleweight in Bellator. Um, everyone else, with the exception of Austin Vanderford, he's kind of fought, you know, as, as far as the names are concerned. When he was here in St. Louis, he fought um, John Salter who lost to Gegard, he dominated him. Uh, Vanderford is a team member of his. 
So the likelihood of that happening is kind of low. Because if I'm not mistaken, I feel like Mike Brown coached uh, Vanderford as well, which he came in and and, uh, and helped with this camp. Now, Eblin's main coach is King Mo, but uh, Mike Brown was in on this one and having someone who just got done game planning for uh, this fighter didn't hurt at all as uh, far as things go. And Evelyn had been saying, look, I know he's saying that what I have, he's seen before, but he hadn't seen me do it. And I think I have what it takes at the uh, pre-fight press conference. When I was talking to him, he came in, he had a hoodie on with some moose antlers. I was like, is that are those moose antlers? He's like, yeah, you know, and he said, yeah, my buddy, so-and-so hooked me up with this. It's like, now, you know, people call Musasi moose. So I take it that you moose hunting, huh? He's like, oh, man, you, man, you're right. I didn't even think about that. It's like, uh, you gave that to me. I don't even have to, uh, I don't even have to make it. I was like, you're welcome. You know, it's just, you know, it, it's just, you know, your man, the myth, the legend, the voice. It's just that that's one of the blessings the Lord has given me. But anyway, um, so that's what, just what he did. He went in, he hunted the moose, uh, caught him with a great, ooh, that first uh, definitive blow that he hit him with. Oh, so beautiful. It was so beautiful because of his wrestling background he used that to his benefit and he went in like he was shooting for a takedown and caught him with an overhand right oh my god i mean no it was a left it was it was beautiful and that just that that was in the first round that changed everything from that point on yego was very very tentative uh and i know some people are saying hey don't call the weight cut a reason for Gagar's loss but you can't discard the fact that Gagar was extremely lethargic throwing one shot at a time and when you come in at 209 and you gotta get mm-hmm. down to 185 on the nose within a couple days at his age you're telling me that that didn't have some kind of impact on things I can't say that uh, that it did not we'll see better in the next fight that he has if he's even at that way class he was like man i hate this you know i'm mad i don't want and i think we talked about this uh on the um the fight night update at least i did i talked about it with uh um with rick but he was like i I hate myself right now for this i hate all of this uh i really don't want to cut weight so he and he was already talking about going back up to 205 this might be the move that pushes him that way uh simply because one he's done pretty much everything he can do at 185 in Bellator so it gives you new fresh matchups and the fact that he doesn't have to cut weight so so I, with him deciding to possibly go back up how do you see him uh kind of fitting in after this loss do you do you feel like he's going to go back to to being a dominant fighter or do you feel like this is this is basically what we're going to be seeing from from the foregone future i don't know I really don't know uh, because like I said I, I cannot discount the impact that that had um, will I say that that was the main reason no the main reason was that Johnny Eblen had a great game plan he stuck to his game plan uh, he kept him thinking the whole time because he, he would take him down ground and pound he would tag him on the feet he, you know he just kind of had him befuddled and stuck so I can't I'm not going to discredit uh, 
Johnny Evelyn in what in any way whatsoever, he definitely worked his plan to perfection. Uh, again, to say that the weight cut may not have impacted Musasi's uh, performance, I think would be foolish to 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 say that. Oh yeah, I mean we we're, we're really not going to say anything about that. No, I think we need to. Mm-hmm. It didn't st- that did not stop Evelyn, but I think it definitely impacted Musasi. Now, will he? exert the discipline necessary to keep fighting at 185 probably i think this was a good wake-up call for him because he had been just running through everyone and here it is here's another wrestler this is the third wrestler that i fought in a row second one from att i kind of know what to do and i think he just he really took things a bit easier and he said he was like i wasn't as disciplined which is why i'm coming in as heavy as i am and i'm gonna pay for it i'll make weight you know i never miss weight but i think this is going to make him more disciplined in his approach so um and he said 185 is my weight class if i'm going to 205 he was just going to 205 for a title shot kind of hard to get a title shot off of a loss right especially Mm -hmm. in another division yeah well i mean i I definitely think it you know just depending on what happens i think he's gonna bounce back either way he's a tremendous fighter so i really don't think that's gonna affect it you know sometimes like i said we all you know it only takes one time so yeah um going from those two amazing bouts let's walk into uh the outcomes of the voices marquee matchups now if you know if you've been under a log you know how important the voices marquee matchups are so voice go ahead and give us a recap of of last week's voices marquee matchups absolutely um they were both phenomenal fights and they were both significant fights so since we've been talking about bellator we'll start there and the fight between uh danny sabatello and leandro higo the fight itself was nothing to write home about i mean sabatello he went in there he held him down um yeah he went in there he held him down and he imposed his will but he really didn't do much uh except for get booed by the crowd which uh he ate up he's like i love it i was like whether they're uh booing me or they're uh they're praising me i feed off that energy i love it i want it either way uh you know and, and i love it what was the most uh exciting thing about that whole thing was the post-fight interview so in the post-fight interview he started things off by saying yeah they told me you know if i do uh blah 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 then i'm gonna get uh fined so blah 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 and sure enough he said ouch uh just the other day via social media because he got fined five thousand dollars uh for you dropping f-bombs after the fight uh so that he will probably be more mindful of that for you to say ouch (laughs) means that that five thousand uh made a difference so um you know he'll probably be more mindful of that as far as in cage statements now the real statement though was made by uh the the current interim champion rafian stotts he came in and said that was horrible oh that fight was horrible i can't wait to fight you all you can do is wrestle i'm gonna tear you up and they were going back and forth he was uh he uh sabatella was flicking um stats off and and that's when things got 
uh, they had to be kind of separated a little bit. Not nothing, you know, major, but just like, hey, hey, okay, all right, it's, it's getting a little tense. You know, y'all step back before anything happens. So, yeah, that that is that was the making of something really great. Which that's what every great fighter needs is a foil, and Sabatello is going to be a foil for whoever it is that he fights. But the thing that was really kind of interesting about all that is because of the booing that took place Sabatello went from kind of being this face to a heel immediately and then here comes uh, Stotts in to play the face and say you're terrible you bore the crowd I'm not going to let that happen so it it really helped to amplify that fight and the uh, the trash talk leading up to it is going to be amazing amazing so uh you know you, you're definitely going to want to tune into uh or watch those press conferences uh when they happen and when you get a chance to uh you know your man the myth the legend of voice is going to do his best to be in the building if i get in the building then you know i'm going to say something and it's yeah it, it, it's going to be phenomenal now on the i'm sorry go ahead Oh, I'm saying I was listening. I okay. mean, just just think about Sabatello. I can I can remember talking about him uh, last week on the main card, and and just remembering he gets off on the fact of creating these beefs in his head, and he even stated that he can have the utmost respect for you, but when it's time to fight, it's time to fight. So man, his trash talk and his lead up is what is what essentially helps to sell his bouts. Essentially, I definitely would like to see him, you know, come out and be even more aggressive. So. I'm looking forward to see what happens on that one. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this. Um, he's a master salesman because even as bad as he talked about Leandro Higo, when the fight was over, he praised him actually kind of in defeat. He was like, if I was able to do this against this person who is so good on the ground, I mean, Leandro Higo's ground game is phenomenal. You didn't really hear these things in the lead up, but as soon and that that's been his mo. I'm gonna trash you, and then after I fight you, I will give you your flowers. And he he kind of gave Higo some flowers, uh, and then uh, start immediately going in on Rafian Stas. It's the Draymond School of, of marketing for you. So tell us about the the, uh, the there was also a second bout, correct? Yeah, that uh, we had a voices marking matchup for the UFC card, uh, which featured uh, Neil Magny, the litmus test for welterweight at, in the UFC, facing not only undefeated but the man with a one hundred percent stoppage ratio, uh, Shafkat uh, Rachmanov. And I said, if he does the Magny. What he has done to everybody else, we, we've got a player in the welterweight division. And we've got a player in the welterweight division. He made Magny look like Magny couldn't fight. Like Magny did nothing in that fight. And it wasn't because Magny couldn't, uh, doesn't have the skills to do anything. He just could not employ his skills against Shafkot. Shafkot. Uh, kept him befuddled the whole time uh, whether it was through grappling uh, and within the striking but the grappling is really what got him got him down to the ground in round two and choked him out and that that was it and he choked him out like 
with just a couple seconds left. As a matter of fact, uh, his corner was shouting to Magnum. He's like, okay, five seconds left. Five seconds left. He's like, dog, I, I ain't going to make it five seconds. I, I'm tapping. I ain't gonna, that, that's not going <laughs> to. It, it, it's not happening. It's not happening. Not today. Not today. So uh, salute to uh, Rachmanov. He's got probably a couple more fights before he fights for the title. But, yeah, he's definitely one to watch at welterweight yeah Romanov is, is is a monster it's definitely nothing against uh, uh magni who has been willing to take on literally any fight you put in front of him he fears no one so definitely want to uh give a shout out to him uh on that but you know sometimes when you come up against the beast you, you got to take a break um and with that before we actually get into uh this week's fights we're going to take a quick break uh, when we come back definitely going to talk about kayla harrison and a couple more uh different things that are going to make you all excited for the next week in combat sports uh this is will ruffin i'm sorry will just ruffin i gotta get used to the name the man the myth the legend the voice the main card mcmv sports we'll be right back what's good everybody it's your man the myth the legend the voice did you get a chance to catch the mtmv live show this week give it a listen to hear all the spicy talk about the hot topics in sports including the fight nights update because we love our fight fans so much i'm adding it to this week's main card as you enter the fight nights update arena rest assured when you leave you will be a champion of combat knowledge. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's time for the fight night update. It's your man Wilgers with the man, the myth, the legend, the MTMV curator of combat sports, the voice. Good sir, how you feeling today? You, you know my answer. I don't know why you ask me that. Whenever I get a chance to talk about fights, I feel good, good, good. I feel good down in my soul. Every time I talk about fighting, I feel good. I, I feel like you got a little extra special sauce today because we, we got two major things to cover. So let's go ahead and get right into it. So first of all, the biggest news uh, that we want to cover, Dana White says John Bones Jones arguably the GOAT of UFC by many is prepared to is prepared to fight um officials are currently debating his next opponent now uh Jones who actually turns 35 next month has not fought uh since February 2020 when he defeated Dominique Reyes uh, via unanimous decision and that was actually uh there was a lot of questions in that fight uh by many now mm-hmm. boys uh Jones is present company included <laughs> now boys Jones is clearly always going to be a big money fight um now i feel like i know the answer but i gotta ask who do you want to see him fight in his return and how much should we worry about the rust considering he hasn't fought since 2020 as far as who i want to see him fight in his return i want to see him fight francis and ghana and here's yeah i mean now now that's really the fight to make anyway uh but the reason I want to see that fight is because Francis has shown against Stipe his highly improved wrestling. And uh, John Jones has an excellent chin, but nobody 
in the UFC hits harder than Francis Ngannou. He might be the hardest hitter known to man. I mean, yeah, I, I still vividly remember him catching Overeem with that uppercut and making a human being look like a pair suspense. I mean, it was, yeah, it, it, it was just wrong. It was wrong. Um, and you'll see it whenever uh, he, he fights again because it's in all the clips. But that's what I want to see because if there's anyone who can finally give Jones the fight that he needs, I think it's Francis. The, the one to truly test him it is Francis. Now, I've, I've actually heard from, from watching a couple YouTube videos, a couple people say they actually believe that Ngannou is the one who would literally lay bones down. So Exactly. That's the reason why I want to see that fight because um, I'm of the, the mindset that in order for John to really achieve, and you said it, he is arguably the GOAT, but in order for him to achieve the greatness that he can achieve, he needs to be broken. He needs to be broken. Now, he has been breaking himself, but because he has been breaking himself, and not just that, but he really has not had the... He has not received the, the true punishment that should go along with the things that he's done because of his money and his influence. Mm-hmm. He hasn't learned uh, his lesson. I remember when he went to rehab for a day and his mother was just not happy about it whatsoever. And Dana White tried to, to poo-poo it because, like you said, he's a big money fight. Whenever he fights, it's it's a big deal. Uh, you know, but this is before we knew about the cocaine. This is before we knew about uh, the, the, the alcohol addiction. And since then, he's been to rehab a number of times you know sometimes just going back just to, to freshen himself up but anyway i digress um he has experienced a great deal of grace and i thank god for the grace um and god knows what he's doing he, he's allowing these things to happen um you know it, it's not like john does not know uh the lord he's got uh, philippians 419 tatted on his chest for a reason his father is a pastor uh in the church of god in christ church so he knows right he just isn't doing so i i I just want to see him get to a place where he he hits rock bottom so that he can look up and see the rock and be changed but this is this is kind of a trick fight for it for anyone who takes this, whether it's Ngannou or anyone else. I mean, come on. Or if you look at it this way, John is 35 years old. He'll be 35 mm-hmm. next month. Mm-hmm. So if if the person beats John is, oh, well, you know, there's the ring rust and there's the age. But if John beats that person, then it's, oh, you know, that person may be done because they were beaten by a 35-year-old who has ring rust. So while it, it seems like it's a win-win for Jones, seems like whoever takes this fight is it's a lose-lose no matter what because there's always going to be something about what people feel about it well i mean everyone can make an excuse about anything there's always an excuse uh built in however in this situation it's different because yeah he's 35 but 35 is young for heavyweights right and that's what he's fighting now even though he does have all that time on him he's still a young heavyweight and even with all that time on him, 
he's been fairly untouched in his career with the exception uh, of the last couple fights that he's had as well as his uh, first fight was with Gustafson outside of that nobody's touched him so even though he's been in the game for a while he's still got a lot of good years left possibly because uh, we don't know what what his uh, drug use and, and, our, and his party lifestyle has done to impact his body but from a fighting perspective uh, he doesn't have the same kind of wear and tear that someone else in his position has and here's the thing he had to be out all that time it's not like he hasn't been training because he has he got kicked out of his gym uh in new mexico went down to arizona start training down there and he had he needed that time to put the weight on properly to fight at heavyweight because remember his name is john bones jones there's a reason for that even at 205 pounds he was bony so for him to be at the, I, he's like 245, 250 now. He needed some time to put that weight on and put it on right. So, the, the, yeah, the ring rust, as Dominic Cruz said, is a myth. If you're training like you should be training, there's no such thing as ring rust. Understandable. I, I think either way, it's going to be exciting to have one of the greats back uh, fighting again. And, and if we get one of those fights, no matter what, it's going to be a big money fight. So I'm excited to exactly hear uh, when and where that's going to take place. Now, going from one big fight to another big fight, one that has literally no love lost. Uh, Canelo versus Triple G is looking to be one only for the strong as these two have clearly shown a clear disdain uh for one another and it showed again today uh in today's presser now uh canelo went as far as uh calling triple g out of his name a name that we're not gonna say here uh and triple g actually doubled down uh on his comments and dislike for canelo going back as uh, far as talking about the, the 2018 um uh, uh test that canelo failed mm -hmm. now strangely enough uh, you and I actually talked about it before we came on air. Um, Triple G is also showing a, a really big frustration uh, for the lack of support that the promoter Eddie Hearns um, has shown. Um, now, if you weren't able to see it today, Hearns actually walked the carpet and stood on the side of Canelo during the presser. Um, and I want to read you these comments uh, when they were when he was asked about it. Uh, he a question. The question was asked as far as how he felt. Uh, and Triple G said you analyze the situation and you reach the correct conclusion. But then he proceeded to shrug off the apparent slight and said it doesn't bother me. I would use the words that one prominent athlete once said. He just doesn't know anything about boxing. That's what I believe about them. I hope that an opportunity will come our way to work together and meet to help them come together and find a common ground. But I'm really not worried about it. So, <laughs> boys. What is your thoughts on today's presser, the build-up to this bout, and Triple G's comments on Eddie Hearns? Now, um, just for clarity's sake, I believe the press conference was last week, um, unless there was another something that happened today that I'm not aware of, which uh, very well could be. But um, I believe it, it was last week that the press conference was held. However, what you just said, regardless of when it, it happened, what you just said about uh triple g as i was sharing with you off air but i didn't go into it in depth because i was holding it uh for, for for now that has long lasting implications here's why when the zone launched eddie hearn uh became the face of the zone in the u.s because 
he brought the boxing the the majority of the boxing he got like a billion dollar b with a b deal from the zone to promote fighting one of the first things he did once he secured that contract was secure the contract with triple g triple g has his own promotion company it is associated with eddie Hearn. so for him to say you don't know boxing and they're in business together is major triple g set this up so that after he got done fighting and even while he's fighting now on his undercard you'll see other fighters in his stable fighting this is so that he can uh he can go into the next stage and the next phase of his career and you're linked with a dude who's not supporting you who you just said doesn't know uh fighting let's remember triple g or i shouldn't say triple g eddie hearn and canelo just got together after the whole zone uh golden boy debacle where they voided his contract during the pandemic mm-hmm. his last fight he did without uh, or I should say he, he did outside of the zone so you know he got a little bit of money but he wasn't with the the company that gave him a billion dollars to make that money uh likewise that there was a fight that uh dillian white had recently dillian white uh was also promoted by eddie hearn where he couldn't be there because it was under the top rank banner and he just couldn't do it he actually had a show that same day uh, but because he wasn't a, he wasn't allowed to promote it because of top ranks involvement, he, he had to be out of it. That's huge because a lot of companies, top top rank wouldn't let him be involved. Uh Devin Haney was also promoted by um Eddie Hearn. His involvement with top rank, Eddie Hearn can't be involved. You know, or I should say, we know that. Uh, it's been a contentious relationship between uh, Matchroom, which is Eddie Hearn's company, and PBC. They got things together for Canelo to fight uh, uh, Plant, but you know now they're back to 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 sparring each other. I mean, like literally, uh, Ellerby and Hearn talking about putting some gloves on and getting in the ring. You're kind of burning your bridge. You you don't need to be messing up contract you already got messing messing with somebody who isn't under what's really buttering your bread yeah that's uh it, it, it that uh that remains or things remain to be seen as far as how that goes but it's mm-hmm. definitely uh well worth watching because that's uh mm, that 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 is very 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 telling well, it's, it's definitely creating a number of storylines leading up to the sep- uh, September 17th fight, uh, definitely for the undisputed uh, super middleweight title. So uh, looking forward to two amazing fights that, that well, I mean, the John Bones Jones could potentially take place maybe if not the end of this year, early next year also. So, Oh, I'm um, sorry. Let me say something else about that because I forgot. Mm-hmm. Just to give everyone a bit of insight as to why Dana White said this, and why I believe it's Francis Ngannou. Francis was on TMZ and he said, look, my recovery is coming along well. I saw him online on Izzy's uh, YouTube channel recently. You know, one of the three kings, two two of the three kings got together and, you know, he was supporting him and, you know, hugging him when he was in uh, 
uh, in Vegas because he's there for, for International Fight Week and that's where Francis lives. So he went to go spend some time with him and all that. He said, look, things are coming along well. I may be able to fight before the year's up. Then Dana White says, oh, John Jones is ready to go. It's just we don't know who's going to fight. Is he going to fight Francis or is he going to fight Stipe? This was done even before I found out about everything with um, with Francis because that information wasn't really put out there the same way that uh, everything was run with uh, with Dana White talking about John Jones. When I saw the statement, uh, J. Kells, salute to uh, Kells, uh, 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 part of the, the MTMV family used to do the, the uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, podcast for us. He hit me up and he was like, dude, what do you think? I said, here's what's going on. Dana is posturing publicly, trying his best to get Francis to say, I'll take the fight because Francis said uh, after, like immediately after the fight, I have to have surgery. I'm done for the year. So that means if John is going to fight, if he's ready to fight, it's got to be Stipe. Stipe hasn't, you talked about John not fighting since uh, 2020. Stipe hadn't fought since the beginning of 2021. So, you know, th- there is absolutely nothing stopping him from fighting. Uh, he he lost to Nganu and hadn't fought since. Nganu went on uh, to fight um, Cyril Gan, you know, and, and, and all that. It's like, uh, there have been fights. There's been opportunity to fight. He just hadn't been fighting. So, there's nothing stopping the, the, the Stipe fight. That's, that's, you know, just say the word and make it happen. So I was saying he, he's he's publicly posturing because he's trying to force Francis to say, yes, I'll take the fight with him. And that that's all finding out about the TMZ um, uh, interview just confirmed what I was saying. He's trying to get Francis to, to sign on the dotted line. The issue is money. Francis is trying to make sure he's like, look, this is probably my last contract. I know I got a lot of money to make fighting uh, Tyson Fury. We already put that in motion uh, as soon as Fury got done fighting. And I want to make sure the things are in place so I can do what I want to do and do what I need to do uh, on that end. Because that's really where my money's going to come. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on with all that. So just just a little tidbit, a little behind the scenes for our our, uh, our faithful fight fans. Yeah, and, and just uh, one more thing on that, and I was reading that, you know, it, it, it's a win for Danny either way, because if uh, Steve takes the fight, that's potentially, I believe, for the interim heavyweight title. Yeah, it'll be for an interim title, yeah. Crazy business. And that, that uh, you're right, that would make that would make him fighting Francis even bigger, because if he gets through Steve and then he fights Francis and his champion oh. against champion, for real? Man. Wow. Well... If you don't know that the the fighting at the end of, end of the year is going to be exciting, that's something you everything. Voice, I appreciate you, sir. Uh, thank you for constantly give us giving us the the biggest news. And if you want more of this news, definitely tune into the main card. Big news, fans. The card is going to be on live begin two days in August at six thirty. So not only do you get to hear us, now you get to see these handsome faces all on your screens and everything. You know what I mean? You can. You know, say hello to it and all that. So uh definitely tune into the main card. Uh this is your man Wildress out here with the voice, the main card, MTMV Sports. And welcome back, uh voice. 
we got a lot to talk about this week. Oh, yes. But I want to start and I want to begin with Kayla Harrison, who I, I personally feel like is getting slander where she does not need to be getting it. Hmm. So uh, this Friday, uh, PFL uh, 6 actually takes place at the Overtime Elite Arena in Atlanta. Now, the main event will see two-time champ Kayla Harrison battle Caitlin Young in the main event. Now, Young, who actually took the bout on short notice after replacing Julia Budd, uh, is actually going to be attempting to become the first person uh, to defeat the undefeated Harrison. Now, when the bout was announced, voice, a lot of fans bashed the bout not only due to the level of competition competition of Harris versus Bond, but it was considered to be a major test. And now people are questioning, well, is she getting fed a lot of these fighters? Uh, And and wondering if if maybe she's not up to par as far as being able to battle those up and comers. Now we know that Bond was going to be a, a major test for her. What are your thoughts on this card? And should this affect how Harrison's undefeated streak is viewed? It should not because you can only fight who you're able to fight. And she's been in PFL her entire career. She mm-hmm. did test the waters of free agency received and signed a contract with Bellator where there are some uh, some more seasoned and more dangerous fighters but PFL had a matching clause they matched it and she's back in the PFL where she is the poster child she is the face of uh, this fighting organization so it's not her fault that PFL can't necessarily get the fighters in to fight her. I mean, they 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 did. They got Julia Bud, Julia Bud, the former Bellator uh, featherweight champion, who became the former champion when she ran into Cyborg. So they got someone to fight her, someone with skills, someone with a name. But she got hurt. That's not Kayla's fault. Now she's taking on Caitlin Young, who has a storied career as far as MMA is concerned. I mean, she has been fighting since like 2007. And you name the who's who in fighting. I mean, Liz Carmouche, been there. Gina Carano, been there. I mean, she, she has faced so many greats in MMA issue is she's lost all of them too <laughs> so <laughs> you know she, she's 12 and 12 for a reason mm-hmm. and uh generally that or i should say the half of the time she's losing she's losing to people who just have more and better skills than she does so do i expect the same thing with harrison absolutely Uh, because Kayla is a beast she's an absolute beast and she should not be slandered for her level of competition because it's not her fault it's PFL's fault and I can't even say it's PFL's fault because they've done things they brought in Julia Budd Uh, last season uh, they brought in another former uh, champion her name escapes me right now Uh, and they were set up to fight uh, you know had them in the different brackets had them set up to fight when it mattered most and I believe that that person got hurt. If they didn't get hurt, they got beat. So you, you can only fight who's across from. And because of the way the PFL has things set up, it, it, it just works out the way that it works out. 
Well, I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's such a short notice fight. And it's not that uh, Harrison and Bud are not going to uh, fight again. It's, it's Bud is actually looking to recuperate from an injury. And she wants to to uh, to go at it with Harrison immediately after. But it's just one of those things where it, just, it seems so unfair that Kayla Harrison is such a beast. And she's proven it so many times. And, you know, but that, that's a part of it. Um, now understand also on this card there's a voices marquee matchup and this is a special one as this is the battle of the Coopers as Ray Cooper the third is going to be taking on uh, Brett Cooper now Ray is a, a two time winner um, but he goes into this bout with negative one points for Miss Weight so a potential uh, first round win would actually bump him up to five points but voice tell us what makes this a marquee matchup and why should we be looking uh, forward to this bout this is the marquee matchup because of everything you just said. Ray Cooper III not only was the PFL champion the last two seasons running, in the first season of the PFL, he was the runner-up. And he was the runner-up to Magomed, Magomed Karamov, who he beat for the championship last season. So he's always been in the running and has been one of the faces of the PFL. Not only did he win, he will win in spectacular fashion. So that's why it's so important. You have the former two-time champion, the person who has always been in the championship fights since the PFL's uh, inception, or I should say their rebranding. And he's on the verge of being put out because he missed weight and lost the fight. And he's fighting against Brett Cooper, who also uh, did not win his fight. You know, he's not at negative one point, he's at zero points. But still, if either of these fighters doesn't win and doesn't win early in the fight, they can kiss the rest of their PFL season goodbye because it's over. This could very well put both fighters out depending on where it ends. So that's why it's a voice marking matchup. There's so much on the line and there's so uh, so much of a motivation for both fighters to get in there and go at it, go at it hard and fast the moment the uh, ref says fight. So that, that's why it's the voices marking matchup for this card because uh, it has action written all over it. If they don't come with the action, they are literally signing their own walking papers. Wow. Yeah, definitely. So that's going to be some, some fireworks. You get two fighters in there who love the sport and now they're literally fighting for their fighting lives. That's, that's going to be amazing. But it sounds like also there should be some kind of changes to the issues as far as the, the, the miss weight, as far as what is actually costing them. But, you know, if ever, I guess if everyone else is able to make it, maybe there's no excuse, but it, it just seems a, a lot for them to be literally costing points for that. I mean, Cooper's well, a two-time let, champ. Well, let's sit, let's sit with that. Why do you feel that a fighter who your only job before the fight is to come in at a contracted weight and you don't come in at that contracted weight, why do you think that they should not be penalized for doing that? It's I not mean, that I think it's not that I think they shouldn't be penalized, but if this is literally possibly costing him potentially his his career, well, it's and not his career. It's the season. It's the season. So um, okay, but okay, but, but but think about this: as a fighter, mm-hmm. you only get but so many 
times where you're actually able to fight. So essentially, a, a loss here, it's a complete loss season. I mean, where do mm-hmm. you? But I listen. Well, I, I and I, I hear what you're saying, but think about it. What greater motivation to make sure that you come in on weight than knowing if I come in and I'm not on weight, I'm not only uh, I put myself at a disadvantage. On top of that, he lost the fight. So he he could be in a better position if he won the first fight, but he didn't. See, this is why the Lord made me fluffy, because I don't I don't need those problems. So I, <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what's happening. Because if it's a voice voices marquee matchup, it's gonna be incredible. Uh now also taking place uh on Saturday, July 2nd, um, we get the IBF cruiserweight champion, the Latvian Punisher. That's an amazing nickname uh, he'll actually be taking on the australian challenger jai uh in literally a bout where the undefeated uh challenger comes in with tkos in his last three bouts and he's looking at he's looking basically to defeat a one loss latvian puncher who has not lost since a 2020 decision um and I'm I can't remember exactly who it was that he but took it was that a, it was 2018 to. but he he lost to Alexander Usyk and uh I I challenge you to name someone who has not lost against Alexander Usyk you can't because everybody's lost good point good point so with with two incredible fighters coming in uh looking to prove something what should we expect and is this a, a potential fight of the year candidate. Fight of the year? I wouldn't say that. Uh, well, anything can happen within any fight. So anything's possible, but just on paper, no. It is not a fight of the year candidate. It's a good fight. It's a great fight. It is a fight that um, that is a title fight. The IBF Cruiserweight title is on the line. For this, you have someone uh, in Bradis who has been one of the names at Cruiserweight for quite some time. Again, the only person he's lost to is arguably uh, pound for pound best right now in Usyk because he has done it both at Cruiserweight and at Heavyweight. You know, so I, I think, and this is an aside, but I think that Usyk doesn't get the credit that he should as being a pound for pound great literally doing it at different weight classes but that that's a story for a different day um again he he's fought as far as Braves is concerned he's fought the who's who you know he's he's beaten Marco Huck you know he's beaten uh the Tricos he's beaten everyone except for Usi which there's no knock on that um when it comes to the person he's facing, uh, Jai, this is beneficial for him. This is really beneficial for him. Like you said, he's uh, undefeated. Four of his fights have gone to the decision. And as you so eloquently stated, the last three of his fights, he stopped. Not only that, but they're fighting in his backyard, literally. He's from Sydney, New Wales, Australia. And this fight is taking place at the Gold Coast Convention Center in Broad Beach, Australia. So he's there at home with the home crowd behind him, cheering him on, undefeated, fighting for the title. Uh, oh, that did just happen 
with another Australian fighter recently, and that didn't turn out. Can't But that's that's neither here nor there. That's this is this fight, and we'll see what happens uh, in this fight. Anything can happen, and I'm excited to see whether or not um, whether or not Ja can really step up and step out and show out and become you know someone. Because if, if you beat Brady's, like I said, who, who has this this uh, track record of being one of the best in boxing, especially at his weight class, you, you're putting yourself on the map. Uh, with with a a strong solid victory, if he's able to pull it off, and you're gonna yeah, get a belt. I, I want to run this down for for British real quick. Now, as of October 2021, he's ranked as the world's best active cruiserweight by BoxRec, the Ring Magazine, and the Transnational Boxing Ranking Board, as well as being the eighth best active boxer pound for pound by BoxRec. So, I mean, if you get a win there, where where does where does that potentially take John? That, that takes him uh, to being in those um, in those rankings as well. I mean, now does it take him to being number one? No, it's not like the Highlander. Uh, there can only be one. <laughs> I mean, he, he's he's thirty fifth in the world right now. So uh, does that make him in the top ten? Yeah, it should. If if you're thirty fifth and you're defeating the number one person in the world then it should i mean but he's not even number one in his own country he's number two which is nice but uh as the uh the lauded poets uh and native son of st louis said two is not a winning three no one remembers so uh if he wants to be known he's got to as uh another lauded poet uh from north carolina said to be the man you got to beat the man and the man right now is Brady's. I couldn't have said that better. You, you, you literally connected Nelly and Ric Flair. This is this is why you're the goat of combat sports. Um, I, there's nothing left for me to say. I just want to move on to two other incredible fighters because that, yeah, you, you're literally on one today. Um, <laughs> UFC 276. Uh, is also coming up. That takes place Saturday, July 2nd in the T-Mobile Arena in Nevada. Now, this is something that people have been waiting for. In the main event, we get a chance to see UFC metal, UFC middleweight champ, the last style bender, which I believe you actually have the shirt on right now. Uh, we'll be taking on the number two UFC middleweight contender, the killer gorilla, Jared Conner. Conner, uh, yes. For the it's going to be for the UFC middleweight championship now. While Cannonier is coming off of a performance of the night uh, award for his second round knockoff of, of Derek Brunson, many are not even giving him a second thought to pull out a victory. Voice, are they underestimating Cannonier? I think they are. Um, now, as far as Vegas is concerned, they're not because uh, he, he's an underdog and understandably so. Izzy is unbeaten at middleweight and the only time he lost is when he dared to be great and went to light heavyweight in MMA that is he's lost a number of times in kickboxing but not in uh, MMA there are some some different dynamics 
at play in this fight that make it very very interesting and i think that kind of behind the scenes it makes it a little closer than what vegas and everyone else is putting out there anytime you hear a fighter talking about hey you know i'm i'm, I'm looking to uh uh I'm not even worried about winning and losing anymore. You know, it's about uh, just what I can do. And I'm, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to try out different techniques and stuff to see what I can do. That kind of will call that causes me to say, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, if you're not concerned about winning and losing, that could be good because you have nothing to lose per se so you go in and you give it your all that could also not be good because that could mean that you're not really focused on the fight um the one thing that and this is what izzy said about going into this fight the one thing that we must remember though is that israel is a student an ardent student of the game i mean this man is an encyclopedia when it comes to fights he knows who fought who when what day uh the feints that they did to get in and and take the other person out i mean he knows it all the time that it happened i mean he is a whiz when it comes to fight knowledge so to be a whiz when it comes to fight knowledge means that you have and then he's already shown that his skill set is ever changing ever improving and is a skill set that is very difficult for people to beat with that being said it that you know we have to to take what he was saying about trying different things with a grain of salt knowing that however on the other side you got jerry cannonier who also like i said he's a student of the game is he's been calling jerry cannonier out for over a year now which means he's been watching and studying him for over a year and and thinking hey you know if he's able to get healthy and win some fights we're gonna fight so that again you have to take all these different nuances into account for cannoneer he really has nothing to lose and we have to remember jerry cannoneer started off as a heavyweight a heavyweight cut down to light heavyweight had some success there then he started training regularly which made him lose weight and he settled into his middleweight frame let's not forget at each one of the weight classes i just mentioned he's knocked people out so he's got power has is he fought at heavy has he fought heavyweights before yes he has um and does he know how to kind of slip and roll with punches yeah he does so that power is there and with power jared has a puncher's chance jared also said that hey or i shouldn't say jared said i want to say jared either jared or his coach said we want to make izzy uncomfortable well that means you just gave the game plan now we know that izzy is most comfortable on the feet so if you're trying to make him uncomfortable that means you want to get him off his feet you want to grapple with him and izzy has shown a much improved um uh grappling 
pedigree as time has gone on was he able to do that with Jan no but that's because Jan was much bigger and just physically he couldn't do that with Cannoneer coming down from heavyweight will he have that strength to do it we don't know we'll see no one else has been able to you know uh, Brunson couldn't take him down uh, uh, and others who tried to take him down uh, have had little to no success uh, including Kelvin Gaston. Well, Kelvin got him down a, uh, a couple times, but then uh, Izzy was able to stand up. That was a phenomenal fight, uh, just a side note. But anyway, will he be able to do it? I don't know. Really, again, at middleweight, people haven't been that successful uh, with doing it. Outside of, oh, who's the guy he fought again? Um, oh, it's an Italian guy. Uh, who fought him to a split decision and then he fought again uh, to a unanimous decision as a champion Uh, but outside of him in that first fight nobody was taking him down Cannoneer will try it and he has John Crouch and that's what really is intriguing to me about this another one of the nuances you have famed coach John Crouch master strategist one of the best in the game taking on uh, Eugene Berryman of City Kickboxing. It's gun- that man. I believe that we're in for a good fight. Uh, we might be in for a short night either way, though. Uh, Izzy may, with his precision striking, take Cannoneer out. Cannoneer might, uh, might empty the cannon on Izzy and take him out. Uh, we won't know until the pin drops, the cage door locks. The thumbs go up and they start the clock. <laughs> and you can't really uh, take him as a slouch. In his last five bouts, Cannonier is uh, four and one with three knockouts. I think his only loss is a, a decision to uh, Robert Whitaker, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you definitely can't uh, count him out. It's going to be an exciting, but I think that's going to be full of fireworks. If there was a Will Marquee matchup, even though it's the main event, I think that was it. I think that's the one. If you got to spend all your money on something, that's the one that you watch. Um, and on top of that, there's well, well, a, actually. Just, a, just, I'm sorry. Just a, a quick uh, interjection. Uh, just to remind you, it's Will's one to watch. You, you got a name for your fight, sir. It's Will's. Oh, okay. Will. Okay. So yeah. So Will. So Will's one to watch is literally. I'm just gonna say it's the whole card because honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Home event is she just as good. Uh Alexander uh Alexander the Great mm-hmm. <laughs> is actually gonna be taking on former champion uh Max Callaway um in literally the, the trilogy fight uh between the two. Now this is gonna be for the UFC featherweight championship. Um Alexander actually has a 2-0 lead in the trilogy, but there's a lot of people that feel that the future Hall of Famer Holloway is due for a win, especially when you consider the fact that uh, many people feel as though he's going to be going for knockout, which Holloway also stated. So, voice my question to you: between the history between these two, what should we be, what should we expect? And with the way that the judges apparently played a major role in in the last fight, is the decision should we the judge play as big a decision, or is this going to be a complete knockout? Max. If it's or let me say this, if it okay, let me pause and, and and really give full thought to what you're saying. First, you ask what to expect. Go back and watch 
fights one and two and you know what to expect it is going to be a barn burner it is going to be a technical masterpiece it is going to be fighting fighting at its highest level um i personally did not have max losing the first fight everyone uh said that the second fight was much closer and i had max winning that one too and the judges did not so the judging may play a role in it now if either fighter is really going for a stoppage i think that's foolhardy because you in order to do that you have to really kind of open yourself up now if anyone will go or i should say the person with the greatest room for error in trying that will be the champion Volkanovski. Uh, he is, uh, we talked about Cannoneer coming down from heavyweight. Volkanovski used to weigh well over 200 pounds. He was a cut up thick rugby player and uh, though he has come down as far as weight is concerned, he still has much of that power and he's knocked out a number of his opponents. So if he were to go for something, Again, he has a, a greater margin of error. Max doesn't stop people that way. His is an accumulation of punishment. And Max has been working on his strength and conditioning so that he can really push the pace. If he's able to push the pace and keep the pace, and that's what Max is known for. You know, when he fought uh, Brian TCD Ortega and he got the record for the most significant strikes in a fight it was because he pushed and kept the pace you know it's like a, a snowball rolling downhill it just he just gains more and more uh momentum as time goes on he did the same thing in both of his fights against aldo so if he's able to do that with holloway i mean with uh volkanovsky then he may be able to get the stoppage that way because he's not a one-hitter quitter uh does he have the jujitsu chops to stop it uh, as far as things going to the ground yeah he does but that's not where the other fights have really taken place and I don't really see that being the case this time either uh, and again what Max has said he's looking to do he put a strategy out there I'm just looking to overwhelm him with strikes It. so I mean again we know that anything can happen uh, when the fight starts it should be phenomenal that that's all i can say it should be phenomenal if it's anything like the previous two it should be a close fight a fight well worth watching probably already fight of the night uh that that's what you should expect from this matchup what was was interesting is is that it almost seems as though Holloway is, is kind of looking ahead because he's even teasing uh, a, a potential fight and a move up to 155 uh, with Charles Oliveira uh, after this about so, Holloway or Volkanovski? Uh, Holloway. I, hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he, he I, recently. I, I, go ahead. He recently stated that uh, he said never, you know, someone asked him about it, he recently said never never say never and that if he moved up to 155 that that's the bout that he wants. Okay, so I wish it's almost kind of like Go ahead, you, I'm sorry. You think you feel like he's looking ahead too far? I mean, you you know, you got a champion right in front of you. I don't think he's looking ahead too far. Actually, um especially with that questioning because for him this is the third time that you're fighting it's very very rare 
that you have a trilogy in the UFC. It's even more rare for it to be a trilogy where the one fighter has won both fights. It's like, why are we fighting anymore? But we're fighting again because Max is absolutely destroying everyone that they put in front of him whose name is not Alexander Volkanovsky. He loses this fight, he's going to have to go to the lightweight division because there's really nothing else for him at uh, featherweight. He's beaten everybody. You know, any and everybody that he could beat, he's beaten. So that would be the next logical move. So it's not too much to or I should say, I don't think that that statement is looking too far ahead. It's being real. If I lose and I want to keep fighting, I'm going to have to go to uh, lightweight because otherwise I'm just going to keep knocking off contenders uh, for whoever the, the featherweight champion is. Now, I believe that Holloway also mentioned going up uh, after this because for him, it's kind of the same situation. There really aren't many contenders left. I mean, who if uh, I forget who uh, Ortega's fighting. I want to say he's fighting Yair Rodriguez. If uh, if he's to win, if Rodriguez is to win, that's a new uh, fresh matchup. That would be something uh, you know worth watching. If he loses, though, well, uh, he's already beat Ortega. That was a great fight. Don't get me wrong, but he still beat him. So there's there's really not much uh, not much left there. So I yeah, uh, time will tell, and we'll see what happens uh, with things. But uh, for either of them to speak about the um, lightweight division, especially seeing as there's no champion right now, we have to remember uh, Oliveira lost his belt on the scales everyone still looks at him as being the champion but that championship is vacant right now so really it's open for anybody sliding and there's not been talk about who he would fight everything is still kind of uh um kind of bound up and we talked about this recently you know will he fight islam makashev you know, uh, will Islam fight Benil Darius, which is who I think he really should fight or should fight someone ranked because he hasn't really fought anyone ranked yet. You know, it's kind of hard for you to jump all the way up uh, to or I should say just, just fighting a good, solid name. He's beating people, but he hadn't he doesn't have that name. It's like, OK, yes, he's definitely ready. His skills say it, but and his his uh, performance say it. But you have to take the level of competition into consideration as well. Hmm. well it's definitely understandable. It's I think it's a great either way. Uh, but I'm I'm in agreement with you. H- Holloway has to come out of this a winner. If not, this is going to be probably the most lopsided trilogy uh, you can think of. E- even though you know it can be argued that you know the first two bouts were winnable for him. So that'll be great to see. Um, now rounding out UFC 276, we have another the voices marquee matchup. This time is going to be a middleweight bout between Sean Strickland and Alex uh, Pereira. Uh, Pereira. 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 Yeah. I'm gonna I let you take that. take that over, voice. Go ahead and give us your reason why it's the marquee matchup and what we should be looking for here. All right, so uh, disclaimer about the voices marquee matchups, just in case it's the first time that you're hearing. I select these fights due to a number of different criteria. Uh, Some of them are very, very uh, personal 
and uh, biased. I must be uh, very honest. They're uh, personal and biased. If you're from St. Louis, you're probably going to be the voices marking matchup. If you're Nigerian, you're probably going to be the voices marking matchup. Uh, on this card, we have uh, a Nigerian in the main event, but the main event and or a title fight can't be the voices marking matchup because it's already a marquee fight. The voice marking matchup is something that uh, may not be getting as much shine. It may be, but it may not be. But uh, it can't be a title fight. Uh, it has to have title implications, possibly, or the um, the potential to be a award winner, either fight of the night or uh, someone coming out with a performance of the night uh, bonus. This one has both title implications as well as uh, fight of the night. Well, not fight of the night, but uh, performance bonuses written all over it. Why? Because we're talking about the middleweight division, which, again, the um, the title is on the line there. Both of these fighters are undefeated in their last five fights. Uh, Tarzan is uh, is a vaunted fighter. He's been fighting uh, MMA uh, for quite some time. Team Quest fighter. Uh, he has not lost since losing to Easy Dos Santos back in 2018 he only has three losses like i said he lost to easy dos santos he also lost to santiago ponzanibio and to boa and the only other person he's lost to in his uh fighting career is the champion kamaru usman so again since 2018 he's run off six wins in a row and this would be his seventh if he's able to beat um if he's able to beat Pareda, and that means a lot for him. That means that he really should be next, or at least in the top of being next to fight whoever uh, wins between Usman and uh, Leon Edwards. Pareda, this is only going to be his seventh MMA fight. Why would he be in title talks? Now, granted, he's won... Uh, the last of his five fights as well, including uh, fights in the UFC. And uh, he's been doing it, you know, in, in fairly spectacular fashion. His first one was a flying knee knockout. And then he, he got a decision in his last fight uh, with Bruno Silva. But the reason why he would be in title contention is because he's the last person to beat Israel Adesanya in a fight. Now, granted, it was kickboxing. It was not MMA. But he beat him so whoever wins this fight has a strong claim and i tell you now let izzy win and let alex win that fight is getting made that's the only reason why he's in the ufc at this point is because he's beat izzy that fight will get made and izzy's been talking mad uh talk against alex alex has been talking mad head about izzy and yeah it, it, it would it's going down if both of them win it's going down that's 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 gonna be that's great to see actually on the same bout. So maybe we can, uh, a nice little stare down, a little after bout talk. If, if Izzy pulls out the win, that'll be a great setup for that. I love to see that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have literally come to the end of another great show. The card, the man, myth, the legend, the voice. Uh, I, just please 
make sure that you enjoy these fights uh, this weekend. Make sure that you come back uh, and check the fight night updates so that you can check to see exactly what voice thinks about everything else coming up. Uh, make sure that you check us out on MTNV, uh, 9 p.m. Wednesday nights. Uh, this is Will. I'm sorry, Will just roughing. I got to get used to it. With the man, the myth, the legend, the 2022 Spin Awards nominee, The Voice. Voice, go ahead and take us out, sir. Until next time, fight the good.